we're reading from Mark chapter 2. Um, and when he returned to Capernaum for some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your, sin your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Great. Thank you very much for reading. Um, I may call on Joel at various points to put that passage back up, just because everything he does is very slick, and I'm sure that will be fine. Um, throughout history, there have been arms races, uh, in the late 20th century, there was a space race, and I guess we are now living in a world of the vaccine race. Um, the World Health Organization have published a list of all of the sort of um, various vaccine research projects that are going on around the world at the moment. And the list runs to 11 pages. Um, there's AstraZeneca in Oxford, there's BioSynVax in Cambridge, and seemingly like almost every university in the US is working on a vaccine. And I don't think it's an overstatement to say that the future of our civilization rests to an extent on the success or failure of each of those attempts. Is that an overstatement? Maybe a little bit, I don't know. At the very least, the next 10 years or so will look really different depending on whether anyone discovers a COVID vaccine. And it will look different depending on who discovers a COVID vaccine. We've already seen the rise of vaccine nationalism. But just imagine with me for a moment that someone succeeds. Um, a vaccine is found somewhere and it works. Um, it's easily scalable. There's no side effects. Um, the antibodies or the T cells or whatever it is, they don't deteriorate. It's cheap. There's no shady businessmen set to make gazillions from selling it to us. Um, I, wonder, I, I wonder if you'd take it. I won't prescribe what you would do, but I imagine most people would, would want it. They'd take it. Imagine if you could get the vaccine by Christmas. It would be absolute pandemonium. So just extend the thought experiment a little bit further. Mobile vaccination unit um, comes to your part of London. Sign-ups open. The government website that you sign up on doesn't crash. Um, you have to work pretty hard to book your slot. You know, you spend hours listening to on the phone, listening to hold music. But eventually you get through and um, you book your appointments. And as you queue up on the day, uh, with your face mask still on, still two meters from everybody else, the life that you're about to get back flashes before your eyes. Um, 
I'll be able to see my family for Christmas. I'll be able to hug my elderly parents. I'll be able to go to sports games again and concerts and, and see people indoors and uh, sing in church and meet that niece or nephew who's about six months old by now. I'll never, I'll never have to worry about my connection on a Zoom call ever again. And you're thinking about all of this and you go into the consulting room and there's the doctor with his needle. And um, as you go in, um, he, he puts it down and smiles and he says, good news, your sins are forgiven. What do you think at that point? What? What, what, what on earth are you talking about? My, my sins? Who cares about my sins? What about, what about my life? What about my health? What about the, everything? Uh, and who are you to talk about my sins anyway? That feeling that you might experience is not unlike the one that the man in the story we just read um, must have been feeling. I wonder, Joel, if we could have the story back up on the screen. Um, it's a paralyzed man and he's brought to Jesus. And um, Jesus by now has gained a reputation as a miraculous healer. But he says to the man, your sins are forgiven. Now, there's a number of possible implications of Jesus saying that. One is that he's an idiot. Um, you know, he, he, he misread the room, thought it'd be funny. Um, another is that he's very cruel. Um, perhaps he's a charlatan, you know, setting people up to think that he can do something actually useful for them. Um, and when it turns out he can't, you know, he just comes up with some religious mumbo jumbo about sins. The other possible implication is that Jesus has put his finger on something breathtakingly important here. Um, that there is an even worse condition than paralysis or than COVID-19, that there is a guaranteed cure and that there is an authorized supplier. And um, that possible implication is the one that I wanna just sort of think through um, for the next few minutes. So firstly, let's look at the case that there is an even worse condition than paralysis or than COVID. Um, now, obviously it's possible for one medical condition to be masking another one. Um, when I was at school, I uh, had a friend who started experiencing quite bad headaches. And one of the headaches was so bad, in fact, it was on Christmas Day, um, that his parents took him to hospital thinking it was very severe migraine. But as soon as the doctor saw him, he ignored all the talk of migraine and moved into the neurological department because he realized that something more serious was going on. And um, he was, at the age of 16, was treated for a stroke um, and his life was saved. And isn't the clear implication of Jesus saying to this man, your sins are forgiven, that he's got an even worse problem than his paralysis. He goes, as it were, to Dr. Jesus uh, and he's asking him to treat his paralysis. But Jesus whisks him straight through to the forgiveness department. Implication, this man has got a more serious need, a worse problem than his paralysis. And what gets treated in the forgiveness department? Tell you what, I might... Um, I might just put these verses back up. Here we go. Um, save asking Joel to do it. Um, what gets treated in the forgiveness department? Verse five. His sins. Your sins. That was this guy's problem. Uh, even worse than his paralysis. His sins. Now, we've got absolutely no idea what his particular sins were. Um, he could have been what the tabloids would call a monster. He could have been what the tabloids would call a hero. We don't know. But the implication of what Jesus does is that however serious or trivial his sins might have been, they were far more serious than his physical problem of paralysis. And let's not underestimate how 
serious a problem paralysis would have been in the ancient world. Let's just say he was paralyzed only from the waist down. Another friend of mine, um, different friend, broke his back uh, in a climbing accident um, several years ago and lost the use of his legs. And life is really difficult for him. But it would be a lot more difficult without his specially adapted car or his wheelchair or his stair lift or, or Tesco home delivery. Or, or his carers. You see, the paralysis is a huge problem for this guy in the story. And uh, in the grand scheme of things, there's no reason to think he was a particularly bad sinner. And yet Jesus' claim is that his sin is a bigger and more urgent condition than his paralysis. Therefore, if you think of your biggest problems in life, whether health problems, family problems, financial problems, problems to do with injustice or abuse or whatever, or even COVID-19 or long COVID, whilst Jesus absolutely doesn't minimise our problems or say that they don't matter, he does say that they are as nothing compared with the severity of the problem of our sin. If you spent time around churches or Christians, um, sin is a word that you'll be familiar with. Um, it means the fact that I reject my creator, it's my determination to live in God's world without reference to him. And the fact that human beings do that lies at the root of all of the other problems in the world. And even, to be honest, even if you haven't spent any time around churches, I think you'll be familiar with the fact of sin. You just know, don't you, that there are objective standards by which people should live and you know that people don't live up to them. And that's where the world's problems come from. And if you're very honest, you'll know that you don't live up to them. So we all have an even worse condition, which is our own sin. It's worse because it's a crime against God himself and its consequences are therefore eternal, longer even than long COVID. So there's a worse condition. But secondly, um, there's a guaranteed cure, says Jesus. I hope all of that um, has helped to give some perspective to Jesus's words to this man in verse five, son, your sins are forgiven. It is the most fantastic thing that Jesus could possibly have said, because it means there's a vaccine. Um, it is possible for this most dire condition uh, with which 100% of the world's population are infected and which has a mortality rate of 100%, it's possible for that condition to be cured. And Jesus can do it. What, what Jesus says to this man is the best thing that anyone's ever said in history. But one thing that is interesting as we read through the story is that the people who first heard Jesus say this thought it was too good to be true. Have a look in verse six. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And it's actually a very perceptive question. And um, what gives Jesus the right to say a thing like that? They've clearly understood the gravity of what he's saying. And they're thinking, hang on a minute. You can only be forgiven by the person you've wronged. Um, imagine if Joel punched me in the face and Brian said, Joel, I forgive you. And um, I'd be thinking, hang on a minute, it's, it's neither here nor there what Brian thinks. I'm, I'm the injured party here. Only I can forgive Joel. And with all sin, the real injured party is God himself. He's the creator of the world. He's the lawgiver. He cares for his world. Any sin is a crime against him. And so only he has the right to forgive. And the scribes have put all of this together and they realize, well, hang on a second, Jesus. Are you claiming to be, to be God? Spot on. And because he is, 
he's the one able to say to the paralytic and to any one of us, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Those sins can't just be swept under the carpet. Um, Jesus takes evil far more seriously than that. This, this disease doesn't just evaporate. Um, it must be destroyed. And right at the heart of the good news of Jesus is the fact that for any who will trust him, he's taken our sins on himself and has been destroyed in our place. And so for those two reasons, because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done when he died on the cross, for those two reasons, a vaccine is available. The condition under which the entire human race is condemned can be dealt with once and for all. Forgiveness, if you like, can be injected into each one of us if we'll do what this paralytic did and just come to Jesus. And just as a COVID vaccine would mean getting life back, being forgiven means we get life. Life not just in the sense we're used to enjoy it, but we can have a whole new normal if we'll, we'll turn to Jesus and trust in him, full and free and joyful life with Jesus that goes on forever and ever and even beyond the grave. I wonder if you have something better than that. So um, an even worse condition, a guaranteed cure, and finally, an authorised supplier. An authorised supplier. I in Wolverhampton, where my family had lived for a couple of generations. And one impact of your family having lived in the same place for ages is one impact of your family having lived in the same place for ages is that when you um, need a tradesman to come and do a particular job, um, my mum always knew a guy for any or any, you know, any and every problem that might require a professional. So when some decorating work needed doing, we never called the professional looking company. We called a man called Adrian Three Wheeler. Um, he was so called because he actually drove a three wheeler. Um, when they, my parents decided to build an extension on the house, um, we called Dave Moggy. Um, Moggy was not his surname, but he just had a cat that used to sit in his van called Moggy. So we called him. Most disconcertingly of all, when some plumbing needed doing, we didn't call Dynarod or someone reputable. Um, we called a man named Roger the Dodger. Um, and it was never explained to me why he, where that name came from, but he only accepted cash payments. But here's the thing. I would not accept a COVID vaccine from Roger the Dodger. When it's something really serious, you want to know that the person claiming to provide it is actually the real deal. You want someone authorised. And I'd love, well, I'd love to hear afterwards what you make of the whole of this story from Mark's Gospel. But the obvious question by the time you get to verse, end of verse 7 is how do you know? How do you know? See, one, one way you could read the story so far is, as we said earlier, that Jesus is basically a charlatan. Um, he's had a couple of lucky breaks with healings, but he sees this paralytic and he thinks, I'm over my head here. Quick, I, you know, I need to think of something that sounds good, but they won't be able to disprove. Son, your sins are forgiven. But in verse 10, Jesus, um, he heads that option off and he shows us his accreditation. Verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. So having dealt with the even worse condition, he even deals with the man's paralysis. 
just to prove his authority. It's like he's showing his, his royal charter to provide this vaccine. He is someone with this kind of authority over disease. Jesus is no Roger the Dodger. Um, you want evidence that I have authority to forgive sins, says Jesus. Here's your evidence. Stand up and walk. He's the one authorized by God to forgive sins, to, to vaccinate us against our even worse condition. So there's an even worse condition than paralysis or COVID or anything else. There's a guaranteed cure and there's an authorized supplier. Now, if you're convinced of this, I suggest it changes everything. Um, it would mean, for starters, that the way you feel about COVID and lockdown and everything is relativized. It would mean how you feel about everything painful that happens in life is relativized. Wouldn't trivialize it, but it would mean that however bad problems get, there's a bigger one in the world and in your life. But it would mean that you had the opportunity to have that problem dealt with, which would be the best news in the world. It would mean that you'd, had, you, you'd have offered to you a whole new life and hope, one in which your sins and your failings were not trivialized, but they were forgiven and dealt with, neither defiling you nor defining you. It would mean that Jesus was everything to you. God himself come with authority to vaccinate against sin and thereby to offer you eternal, indestructible life with him forever, starting today. Well, I don't know if you're convinced. Um, I am, and it's because I'm completely captivated and persuaded by Jesus. And so I'd love um, to, to encourage you to take the opportunity that Joel mentioned at the start um, to think a little bit more about him. Um, and there's the opportunity that we've heard about um, through Meet Jesus uh, to, to, to read a little bit more from Mark's gospel at uh, this eyewitness account um, of Jesus' life. And just to think a little bit further for yourself about the claims that Jesus makes about himself and about us. Because if they stack up, then the implications are massive and fantastic. Um, and if they don't, they don't need, then you don't need to worry. So let me encourage you to have a look at, uh, to, to, to take up that option to have a look at Mark's gospel and to consider further what Jesus says about our need. And his authority to offer it. Thank you for listening.